and welcome to The Job, Jake's Organizational Behavior Podcast, where each week we talk about an ongoing organizational problem faced by one of your favorite companies and come up with creative solutions. I'm your host, Jake Timmons, and today we are joined by the amazing team at AMA Consulting, a Toronto firm leading the way in their psychology-based approach to management. But first, what is today's issue? The Globe and Mail has been covering the wave of Starbucks unionization, which has now made its way into Canada. The first Starbucks to unionize was in Buffalo, New York last December, and in the last year, over 250 stores in the U.S. have joined. Now, six stores in Alberta and B.C. have filed for unionization. Employees have shown immense frustration with the company based on how they handled the COVID-19 pandemic, and Starbucks leadership have been increasingly critical of these unions. In this episode, we will examine both sides of the story and predict what Starbucks should do next. First, I'm joined by an anonymous Starbucks executive to summarize the issue and share the company's perspective and next steps. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jake. It's so great for you to have me on today. How did this union wave begin? Um, well, as you might know, we've had a number of stories voting to unionize in the United States since last December. We have continued to work with the National Labor Relations Board to see which will actually be certified before we can start negotiation talks. Honestly, the fact that about a quarter of the stores that are calling for union elections haven't been certified yet should be a pretty good indication about the legitimacy or lack thereof of unionizing. For our listeners at home, can you explain the difference between unionizing in Canada versus the US? Definitely. From my understanding, the stores in Canada have similar reasons to unionize as those in the U.S., mainly that they feel like their wages and work hours aren't rising fast enough to keep up with inflation. However, we've already started implementing raises across Canada this summer. As a company, we also feel the inflationary pressures and disruptions from global events such as the COVID-19 pandemic and the Russian invasion of Ukraine. We recognize all the hardships that our employees face, but as such a large organization, it will take some time to make sure that the changes are properly carried out. There's actually been more union activity in the States than in Canada, possibly because in Canada, they don't have a national labor relations board and the process of unionizing varies across all the provinces. And lastly, the US union campaign was a lot more public and attention grabbing. What actions has the company taken when dealing with these unions? Our main action so far is um, our plan to make large investments for stores to give our employees more raises, training time, and to achieve union goals such as um, credit card tipping so that our customers can show their appreciation for our workers. Finally, do you personally support this union? We at Starbucks are 100% in support of workers' rights and making sure that they receive fair compensation. But we don't think that unions are necessary to achieve that. In fact, historically, we've had to file complaints against the union because they went to inappropriate lengths to get their um, cause across, including harassing people at some of our stores. And many of our employees actually feel the same way as we've had stores vote against unionizing. This happened um, in April last year in a store in Virginia. Great. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Jim Hortons. 
now offering the 10 for 10 Jim Bits meal deal. Jim Hortons, we treat our employees right. Now that we've heard the company's perspective, it's time to hear from somebody battling in the trenches. I'm joined by Starbucks Employee of the Month at Toronto's Bloor and Bedford location, Ghazi Elu. Ghazi, how do you feel about the union? Hi, Jake. Um, in general, I feel like it's a great um, thing. The union is a step in the right direction for the entire economy. I'm really for it. Uh, and yeah, that's all I can really say. So how do you feel the company has treated you? Um, I think Starbucks as a whole is, um, it's it's not a bad company. Um, however, I feel like occasionally I deserve a raise. And when I apply, I, I, I get turned down. Um, and my schedule is pretty hard. I have kids. I would like to see them more. Um, but in order to like feed them and like keep up the, uh, the family, like their education and whatnot, uh, I, I have to work these long hours and, uh, it's just not ideal for me. Finally, do you want your store to unionize? Yeah, overall, I would love my store to unionize. It would allow me to see my kids more, um, because the hours are more workable. Um, I'd be able to get a higher wage, um, which just is great for the family. We can, I can send my kids to a better school. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I feel like my, my life would be, um, much easier if my, if the store unionized. Um, so yes, I do want the store to unionize. Well, thank you for joining us, Ghazi. Good luck with your fight. Last but not least, we are joined by AMA Consulting to provide some recommendations and areas for improvement for both Starbucks and the union negotiators. Please introduce yourselves. Hi, Jake. Uh, thanks for having us on. Uh, my name is Manit Narayan, and uh, I'm joined by two of my colleagues at AMA Consulting, Anderson Yang and Alex Hong. Hi, Jake. Hi, Jake. I'm Alex. Nice to meet you guys. What problems have you seen from Starbucks' handling of the situation? Well, one of the most salient issues surrounding this entire situation is that Starbucks has come out with a fairly anti-union stance. The manner in which they utilize their power as an organization to suppress union formation is a bit problematic. We saw that in some cases, they rewarded all non-union outlets by enhancing employee pay and benefits while intentionally neglecting unionized ones, such as the Victoria Starbucks. Further, they employed the use of coercive power by threatening closure of stores if they unionized, as in the case of Alberta. Now, credit to the employees in Alberta because they banded the stores together, essentially nullifying upper management's threat. But such scare tactics only serve to further incense the already aggrieved workforce. And at the core of this issue is an evident need for conflict resolution. If the workers feel that Starbucks is simply asserting their will upon them and is not willing to co compete with them, they'll feel further alienated from the organization. We could describe this as competing approach to conflict resolution, but it feels a bit problematic so far. So based on those issues, what would you recommend? We feel that it would be much more prudent for Starbucks to consider alternative approaches, such as a more collaborative one, or even some form of compromise to find middle ground. But we know that collaboration has proven to be the most effective tactic in resolving issues where both parties have legitimate concerns and can work together to maximize their outcomes. Essentially, this would result in a win-win. However, this would require time investment from the company and also giving employees more of a role to play in the organization. 
which interestingly enough could be beneficial to both parties. So unless Starbucks is wishing to compromise, cooperation would be the preferred route. Yeah, so to add on to what Manit said, this issue is not limited to the treatment of employees, but it really also correlates with the effectiveness and quality of services that the employees will provide, which ultimately impacts Starbucks greatly. It's also worthy to note here that Starbucks has shared its reputation for being a progressive employer that provided its baristas with distinct incentives, which attracted high quality employees that was a big part of their success. It's important to realize this and build upon this foundation for their employees. And if Starbucks fails to maintain this foundation, it will weaken the employee's organizational commitment, which can even cause withdrawal behavior where they avoid work due to any type of injustice they may feel. So how would more autonomy for Starbucks workers help? Yeah, so when increased autonomy is considered as in a cooperative approach, employees will likely have a higher drive towards their job because they will have more assurance towards the outcome of their work. Applying the expectancy theory, we see that when employees have more assurance, their, their effort will lead to satisfactory results and even higher job motivation. In this specific case, giving employees control over their work and providing them with reasonable benefits will ultimately allow them to have more organizational commitment towards Starbucks and ultimately provide higher quality services from their motivation. And I think that in this point of time, it is important for Starbucks to realize that the strong foundation of its committed employees was a key factor to their success. And add on to what Alex have said, essentially the workers are going against the managers due to their perception of poor job satisfaction, specifically pay satisfaction and supervisor. Uh, supervision satisfaction that Mani had mentioned. While stressing autonomy of the workers is very important, we must not overlook the identity of individual workers and store owners. For instance, the unionization movement across Canada shows that the workers demand to be listened by their supervisors for their benefits. Besides this, knowing that Howard Street is famous for his transformational, charismatic leadership style, it seems a little bit surprising that the company is taking an autocratic initiative to try to diminish the labor movement. There might be a possibility that the inconsistency of the leadership style may cause an equitable feeling among the workers. In addition, although the stores in Victoria have a contract saying that the pay policy is independent of the rest of the stores, the workers do not think that it's a justifiable reason for lesser pay compared to the stores across the country. And applying to the equity theory, the employees and store managers will take actions by either reducing their performance or seeking justice to strike a balance between the input of their work and the outcome that they receive. Therefore, we can see that the inequitable thinking will reduce job commitment and increase probability of unionization. Anderson, what are your thoughts on the wage increase that Starbucks have planned? Although higher wage and labor uncertainty are significant factors that drove down the stock price by 16%, according to the analysts, Starbucks should focus on building the labor relation and enhance the organizational commitment. Ultimately, a business is all about delivering sustainable service and generating revenue. For this physical year, Starbucks' top priority should be retaining the investor's confidence by ensuring that the workers should would uh, continue to provide its service by stabilizing the conflict. This will be the best proof for investors that Starbucks will continue its long-term profitability. Of course, given the scale of this issue, as Alex and Anderson both expanded right now, 
it's not surprising that this continues to be an issue. And as we've seen in some cities where lawsuits have been filed, both groups have been forced to consider alternative dispute resolution with a third party overseeing the negotiation process. And as Anderson stressed, taking the investors and future prospects into account, Starbucks should really take a proactive approach and resolve this issue sooner rather than later. Thank you for the insights, AMA. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely, Jay. Thanks for having us on. Thank you all for listening. I would like to give a huge shout out to AMA Consulting, Ghazi Alu, and our source from Starbucks for joining us today. Tune in next week as we discuss the ethical concerns of Ashley Madison and the lasting effect of its data leak six years later. I'm your host, Jake Timmons, and this has been The Job Podcast. Podcast.